Isaiah chapter 30, beginning in verse 1. Read verses 1 and 2. Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel, but not of me, and who devise plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who walk to go down to Egypt, and have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh, and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. This is a serious thing, and a thing that the Christian needs to take note of. That here it talks about the people of God taking counsel from other places instead of going to the Lord and seeking His counsel. And it says they devise plans, but not by my Spirit. And they take counsel, but not of me. And said it adds sin to sin. And he says, They walk to go down to Egypt and have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh, the trust in the shadow of Egypt. At that time, Egypt was a powerful nation. And they put their strength, their, their trust in human strength, in human wisdom, and human counsel. And this is a warning to us today <coughs> that, <coughs> excuse me, that we don't do the same. And we continue to read in verse 15, and I'll just read this one verse. For thus says the, whole, the, the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength, but you would not. So this rejection of seeking God and walking with Him. And it says, in returning to the Lord, we sh- and resting in the Lord, we shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. This is talking about the peace of God that enters our heart and rules our heart when we put our trust in God. And... It starts with salvation, the foundation of our faith, and the message concerning Jesus, our Savior. And you know, I remember when I was as little as some of the young children here, I remember hearing the message of the gospel. Uh, wasn't explained well, but, it, but I remember hearing the readings from the gospel when I was as young as these children here. And many of us here remember that message. But I remember as a child I believed it because I was told to believe it. But as I got older into my teenage years, that kind of faded away and there was a lot of other voices. And as I began to become confused with the many voices, I no longer had peace. I no longer had confidence. I, had no, I, I didn't even know who God was by the time I was in my mid-teens. I didn't know what I believed. And with it went the confidence and the rest and the peace 
that it's talking about here that I had as a child that left me as, I, as the confusion came. And it continued that way. And continued that way until I called upon the Lord and the Lord reached out to me. He reached out to me and I called on Him. And I came to realize through a series of circumstances and to see and believe that the gospel was true. And guess what? That peace and that confidence and that help came to me. And, and the more I grew, the more it came. And when I drifted from it, it started to leave. But as I came back, there it was again. And it's no mistake, that's not any coincidence. That's not a placebo. It's not a sugar pill, placebo. It's the real thing, it's the truth. And in that truth, it says, in returning and rest you shall be saved. Not resting in my own strength, in my own power, in my own wisdom, but the wisdom and the power and the knowledge of God. And many of us, not just me, many of us have similar testimonies. But the truth is that this message that we hear as a child, we need to have that as the foundation for our life. And it begins with being saved. The message that Jesus, God sent Jesus in the world. He was born in Bethlehem as to be our Savior. And He gave His life for us on Calvary. And He rose from the dead. And He, is seat, and he, wrote, and he ascended back to heaven. And He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And He's coming again. And that message is the message of life. In returning and rest... You shall be saved. And quietness and confidence shall be your strength. We have confidence and rest and peace in Jesus. And it shall be our strength. So, <clears throat> it says the Israelites, it says they wouldn't, they wouldn't return to the Lord so it says in verse 18, if we go down to verse 18 and read from verse 18 to verse 21, Dave. 18 to 21. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore. But your eyes shall see your teachers. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it, whenever you turn to the right hand or whether you turn to the left. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the Lord says here, you wouldn't hear me. So he says, therefore, verse 18, the Lord will wait. We are told to wait on the Lord, but the Lord will wait for us. And I said, well, what is he waiting for? 
He says, the Lord is waiting that He may be gracious to you and me. Blessed are all those who wait on Him. Waiting on Him. Putting our trust in Him. Waiting for His answers. Waiting for His help. Putting our trust in His power. Blessed are all those who wait for Him. And then the next verse it says, in, in the middle of it, He says, He will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry when He hears it. He'll answer you. He's waiting for the sound of our cry. He was waiting for the sound of the cry of the Israelites. And so it is with the people of God today. He's waiting for our cry. For help. And to seek Him. And to look to Him instead of ourselves. Our own wisdom. Our own strength. Our own power. Our own understanding. Our logic. Our common sense. It's not to try to work it out our way. God is waiting for us to wait on Him. That's how it works. And so, that's what God is waiting for, for us to have faith. That's what it takes to wait on God and not step in and go ahead of Him and work out our own way and do things our way. It takes faith to wait on God. It takes faith to trust Him and to, and to rest. And to have confidence. Waiting takes faith. And it is an evidence of faith. We're waiting on God. We're not getting in there and pushing things and shoving things and manipulating things and you know, rattling people and shoving people and, and trying to get things done our way. And, and you know... The end justifying the means. No. No. That's not waiting on God. Waiting on God is waiting. It's waiting for Him to move instead of taking and using whatever means necessary, carnal or otherwise, to push and to manipulate and to move and to herd and to... like, Like trying to gather cattle together or anything else. Just doing it in our own strength. Waiting on God. And when God opens the door, then we move. We don't sit on our hands, we move. But God will show us the way. He's waiting for the sound of our cry. He will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When He hears it, He'll answer you. And then he talks about, in verse 20, though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teachers will not be moved in the corner anymore. Your eyes will see your teachers. What teachers? What he just mentioned. The bread of adversity, the water of affliction. He's feeding us with adversity, trials, and afflictions. Our teachers. We've talked about this many times, the different verses of the New Testament that talk about the testing of our faith, working patience. We rejoice in our trials because God is at work. We talk about those things, and here it is right here again. Another testimony. <clears throat> teachers. To teach us faith. To teach us about God. To teach us to reach out to Him and cry out to Him. Instead of leaning on our own understanding. Instead of doing things our own way. 
he says, after these teachers, he says, you'll see them, your eyes shall see your teachers. God will enlighten us to the fact that these things that he is allowing in our life are pointing to teach us to wait on him. Patience. Waiting on God takes patience. It takes faith and patience to wait on God. Our teachers. And then he says, Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. This is that voice. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or hand or the left. God directing us. Instead of us directing us. Instead of us figuring out our life, instead of us making the plans for the future and just doing what seems best and, you know, I'm doing the best I can and, you know, that's all I can do. No, it isn't. It's not all we can do. We must put our faith in God. Therefore, the Lord will wait that He might be gracious to us. When He hears our cry... He'll be very gracious at the sound of our cry. And when he hears it, he'll answer you. But when is God going to answer me? In his time. When he's ready. That's why it says, that we have to wait. <clears throat> and then God will direct us. And God will show us the way. It says, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Now, we may not literally hear that with our physical ears, but God will direct us. This is what it's telling us. The way, the way of the Spirit is to, is to direct us and to teach us and to guide us and to comfort us, and to instruct us. Lead us into all truth. why we talk often about the verse in Proverbs chapter 3 about leaning not on your own understanding it's very easy to do that because it's there the voice of our understanding in our brain is always there this looked good so do it this way this look I'll do that and hey I think I'll do this and hey <clears throat> you know somebody gets in our way get them out of our way you know just impulsive no no, that's not God's way. Trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Be not on our own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all of our ways. He will direct our path. Yep. And so, you know that I bring this scripture, this passage up often. It had a profound effect on my life as far as finding my way. And it will in all of us, and many of us here have experienced that, and it will in all of us who... who Acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways. All of our ways. And He will direct our path. <clears throat> the next one is in Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 5 to 10. Jeremiah 17 verses 5 to 10. Thus says the Lord, 
Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways according to the fruit of his doings. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> what we read here is very similar to what we read in Isaiah 30, in that, and it says it in much stronger language than what we read in Isaiah 30. Here the Lord says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, who makes flesh his strength. That starts from the very beginning. That starts with salvation. If we... I remember when I was a kid, I would hear people say, uh, just do what's good and God will accept you. If you just do what's right, you know, then God, and you'll be okay with God, you know. Don't do what's bad, do what's good. That was a focus on my own, our own strength and trusting on man's wisdom. That's not the wisdom of God. Just do right and you'll be saved. Just do good and you'll be saved. The message is not putting our confidence in ourselves and how good we can be. The message is that we all have sinned and that God has sent a Savior into the world and gave His life for us. And if we put our trust not in ourselves, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord for salvation. For the, for the very beginning, the foundation of faith and salvation is trusting the message of the gospel. And we build on that, and we grow in that. And the Bible continues to say, in both the Old and the New Testament, that the just shall live by faith. Those who have been justified by faith must live by faith, must live it out. The just shall live by faith. And so, when we hear here, we read here, cursed is the man who makes his flesh his strength, who de- it says, who trusts in man, who makes flesh his strength. To listen to the counsel of men, the wisdom of men instead of the wisdom of God, and, and, the, and the way that God is made to be saved. It's a curse. If we trust in man, if we trust in our own strength, to be saved, it's a curse. We won't be saved that way. By trusting in our own goodness. Because the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And God has laid our sins upon His Son to die on the cross for us. And in putting our hope in that, we shall be saved. And it continues from there about our living, our decisions, the way we live, how we overcome temptation, how we stand up in trials, how we either have peace or turmoil in our hearts. And it says it in very strong language here. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. There's a curse upon those who trust in 
human wisdom, human counsel, human technology. If we put our trust in that, it says we're cursed. How much, how much clearer can it be? And it says in that, the end of that verse is, whose heart departs from the Lord. We're leaving the way of God if we're putting our trust in these things instead of God. If we're putting our trust in the Word of man over the Word of God. If we're putting our trust in the science even when it di- disagrees with the Word of God. If we put our trust in government and our friends and everyone else's counsel, our peers or the internet or anything else when it dis- disagrees with the Word of God, we're cursed. And it says we're departing from the Lord. We're departing from the way of God. We're divide, de- departing from His help, His mercy, His counsel. We're leaving it. It says He shall be like a shrub in the desert. A shrub has a hard time growing in the desert. Why? Hot sun, no water. And it says He shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness. Parched places, dried out parches, burnt and dried out. In a salt land which is not inhabited. Why is an assault land not inhabited? Because nothing can grow in salt. And because nothing plants can't grow, animals aren't going to go there, nothing to eat. It's a barren place to be. And we're trusting in ourselves and the wisdom of men and the counsel of men and our own understanding and our own our own way. Our own, our own way of thinking about life. It's a desert. It's a wilderness. And the opposite is in verse begins in verse seven. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord for salvation. That we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear life. We don't have to fear what man can do to us. Because he has promised he'll never leave us or forsake us. His help is with us and we have confidence in that. It says that our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is in his promises. Our hope is what he said in his word. Because we know it's alive and powerful. We know it's just not a dead book or just something that men just wrote and threw together like like uninspired people put on the internet and stuff like that, and, and people full, full, people full of philosophy, man's philosophy and man's wisdom say. It's not, the, it's not just something that a bunch of people threw together. This is inspired by God. And it says, whose hope is in the Lord, he shall be like a tree planted by the water, which spreads out its roots by the river. He won't fear when heat comes because his leaf will be green. And he won't be anxious in the year of drought and he won't stop yielding fruit. Why is that? Why is it that he's not going to be afraid or anxious? The cure for anxiety and fear. He's not going to be anxious and fearful. Why? Because he's at the source. Everything, he knows that he has everything he needs. He has his trust in the place that he's at. And the place that he is at is a place of faith and trust in the living God and his promises to be our God and to help us and to answer us when we cry. 
and to be our helper and to be our guide and to be our strength. This is a proposition where we can't lose. This is a win-win proposition to all those who embrace this, these promises of God. He's at the source of life, water. He's by the river. He's planted by the river. That's the man who trusts in the Lord. That's the blessing of the man who trusts in the Lord. He's at the source of life, of help. Doesn't matter if there's a drought. Doesn't matter if there's great heat. He's at a place where he can't lose. You don't have to wait for rain coming. The water's there. His leaf will be green. The tree of the trees, the leaves of the trees will be green even in a year of that drought. I remember seeing that as a kid. Through the back of our property ran and ran through our property was a creek. And you see all this brown. <laughs> parts ground and it was a couple of years of really dry and all the grass was brown and corn the corn in the cornfield was getting dry and brown and then you just looked all across and then when you got close to the creek you see all this green grass and you see the mulberry tree that's right by the tree it has big mulberries that big on big black mulberries on it why water's right there he's in the right place in the right place that's how we need to look at our life. Blessed is the man who puts his hope in the Lord. Puts his hope in his word, what God has said. Abraham believed the word of God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Counted to Abraham as righteousness. Believing the things that God says. Don't look that way. Don't seem that way. Don't sound that way. doesn't matter. God says this. And this is where I'm going to build my house I'm going to build my house putting build my life putting my hope in what God has said that is the man whose house will stand that is like the tree planted by the water, living waters <clears throat> so what is the problem then isn't it interesting, right after he says all that in verse 9, he says, The heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately wicked. Who can know? The problem is in our hearts. The heart of man, Jesus says, is what defiles him. In the Gospel of Matthew. It's not what you put in your mouth that defiles you. It's not alcohol and drugs that defile you. You put them in your mouth or whatever. That's not what defiles us. So come, those are symptoms of the problem within. The problem is in here. Jesus says the things that come out of the heart and they come out of the mouth, that's what defiles the man. Not what goes in, what comes out. Because the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these are the things, the things that are in the heart are what defiles the man. So that's where the change needs to be. We need to have a change of heart. That's why Jesus has come to me. And He will give us a change of heart. He came to save us from our sins. He came to save us from darkness and doubt and unbelief. 
He came to save us from fear of death that we, we, we are bound in because of Satan binding us through the fear of death. He came to deliver us from the devil. He came to deliver us from hopelessness and lifelessness and despair and anxiety and fear. He came to deliver us from confusion, from those who have lost their way. He came to give us direction, to give us that voice that says, behind us saying, turn this way and that way. Guidance in life. Because this life is getting, this world is getting darker. And we need his light. And Jesus says, he who follows me will have that light. Won't be in darkness. So I, the Lord, search the heart and I test the mind. He knows what we are inside. And that's why he wants us to come to him. So that we can be delivered from what it says here that we all have inside of us before Christ. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God knows it. And He searches it. And that's why we come to Him. And as we see, this is what prevents us from trusting Him. His hardness of heart. We talked about that in recent weeks of hardness in our heart. And that's why we begin to trust in man, trust in the counsel of man, because we harden our hearts to the Word of God. We harden our hearts to His promises. And we begin to listen to other counsel above the Word of God, above the things that He has said. We get skeptical. We get doubtful. It's the heart. It's the heart that's the problem. And so... We have to pour our hearts before Him. As it says, Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him, for God is a refuge for us. Pour out our hearts. Pour out our unbelief before Him. Pour out our confusion before Him. Pour out our disappointment and our despair before Him. And you will find that God is a refuge for us. If you haven't found it out already. He is our refuge and our help and our hope. From there, uh, go to Isaiah chapter 43. Back to Isaiah. Um, verses 1 and 2. For chapter 43 of Isaiah, verses 1 and 2. Chapter 43, verses 1 and 2 of Isaiah. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he he who formed you, O Israel, 
Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flames scorch you. Mm-hmm. Amen. When we go through the floods and the fires... And the trials of life, the fiery trials of life. It says, fear not, for I am with you. I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You're mine. When you pass through the water, I will be with you. These are the great promises that we have from God that if we harden our hearts, we'll never embrace them. And so he says, return, return to me. For the Lord is waiting. He's waiting for us to return to Him. And then He will hear us. He says, In quietness quietness and confidence shall be your strength. And finally, in Isaiah chapter 40, I'll just pick a few out here and read them. Uh, Verse 21. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Verse 25. To whom then will you liken me? For to whom shall I be equal, says the Lord, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high, and see who has created all these things, who brings out the stars by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. So why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, And my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall man up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is a great precious promise from God in this passage that we read. And he asks us, he says, Have you, do you know, Don't you know this? Haven't you heard this? He asked it twice. He created the world. The stars. He said, take a look at the stars. Everything I've created. Hasn't it been told to you? Yes. Yes, God asks all these questions to us. And we say our way is hidden from God? Am I clean? Am I 
My petition has been passed over by God? He says, the creator of the ends of the earth does not faint. He doesn't grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He says to come to him and wait on him. To call on him. He will renew our strength. He will renew our hope. He will renew our confidence. He will give the power that we need and the help that we need to live. There's a curse for putting our trust in man, putting our hope in the counsel of men. But there's great blessing to those who put their confidence, their hope, and their trust in the Lord. To what he has said, to what he has shown, what he has declared. And he points out, just look at creation. Look at what he has done. The heavens declare his handiwork. Apostle Paul says, his, his power and his Godhead are clearly things by the things clearly seen by the things he's created. Who's holding that moon up like that? Who's holding those stars up like that? They're hanging on nothing. The sun, 93 million miles away, the perfect orbit of the planets. His evidence, his his existence and his power and his Godhead are seen through the things he has created. And you know what? He's interested in every one of us. And he says, don't put your trust in man. He says, I am the one to put your trust in and put your hope in. And he will be our help. He will be our guide. He will be our teacher. That's what I have today.